Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Straying from tradition. The second most caustic and frequent of accusations that were lobbed at Jesus. Today's scripture from Matthew finds Jesus implicated of violating one of many Sabbath rules. Yet, what an appropriate topic for us to explore on this Pride Sunday that is anything but traditional. How would you answer? Matthew 12, 5-10. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? I would like to wish all of the fathers my father and my brothers, uh, happy Father's Day, and to all of those who were single mothers like myself that played the role of dad, I wish you too happy Father's Day. In a darkened room at the American Museum of Natural History in New York, a wall of unassuming stone stretches nearly to the ceiling. And at first glance, it looks like a slab destined for a kitchen countertop or even a bathroom countertop. It has black, white, and pink speckles mixing through the bands of minerals that stretch far above our heads. But when the display light flicks from the white to black, we notice a 10-ton rock glowing neon orange and green. You cannot help but to drop your jaw, says George Harlow, the curator of the museum's newly renovated Mignon Halls of Gems and Minerals, where this current rock stands. There's the stunning vibrancy that betrays the mineral's uniqueness, which formed over 1.2 billion years ago on a now-vanished ocean. At that time, there were spindles of algae smaller than rice that were the largest life forms that existed at that time. The rocks here serve as a vivid reminder just how much our oceans have changed over the billions of years and how it was driven by the planet's ever-shifting network of tectonic plates. These shifts rippled like falling dominoes through the geologic 
atmospheric, and biological systems, and influenced everything from the diversity of Earth's minerals to the paths of the ocean currents, and then ultimately our atmospheric flow. All of that influences how we live life today. Let me say that again. All of that influenced how we live our lives today. This story comes to us from the National Geographic's reporting this week on how we discovered a new ocean. And when reading this article, I realized that the age of humans is only a blip of time in the geological story and our theological stories. But it's our actions that we take part in every single day that promise to leave indelible marks on our world, both in the present and in the future. In the case of the scripture that we heard today and the accusations of breaking the Sabbath, I hope that we can begin to understand the actions that we take in our daily lives of either the accuser or the accused and how that can leave indelible marks on our lives moving forward. So for this morning, I encourage you to think about one of two positions, either from the position of the Pharisees in the scripture that were accusing Jesus of breaking the Sabbath, or of the accused, those who were blamed for breaking the Sabbath. I want to delve a little bit into text history because I think it's important for us to point out some similarities in the biblical writings versus the similarities that we have still in contemporary world today. And perhaps we are repeating the same mistakes. Maybe it's because we haven't found a way to love and to heal our wounds or even be alongside those who are also trying to heal from those wounds. Or maybe it is evolution is just slow, and we don't get to witness the beauty of those rocks in our changes and our impact in life. But either way, I believe that we can learn a lot from our scriptures. We can learn a lot from the things that we slow down and pay attention to. And I think we need to do this in order to live past this post-COVID racial and socioeconomic pandemics. And I don't plan to stop talking about 2020 and these pandemics anytime soon. Maybe perhaps it's because I fear that we're trying to return to a normal that didn't work. Or better stated, maybe I actually believe in humanity so much that I reflect as a means to encourage us to evolve. The gospels literally translate, the word gospel literally translates to good news. So today we heard a part of the good news. And like biographies, our gospels written around this time were often uh, contained heroes that were both divine and human, 
But most often, these heroes died really tragic deaths. Matthew was written with an emphasis on law, religious practice, and piety, and was believed to have been written during the time of the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire, in case we don't remember or don't know, was an agrarian society. It was an advanced agrarian society that had no middle class. It had three levels of, of class, and it was the ruling elite, the retainers, such as the high priests that kind of served the ruling elite, and then there were the peasants and the artisans. Unfortunately, Julie would have been there. Women always ranked below men. Children always ranked below both. And those with mental or physical disabilities, well, they never had a chance to rank at all. I point these out because I think it's important for us to understand how social structures would have influenced the writer of this gospel. Just like somebody 100 years from now will return to the writings of today and try to add meaning and reasoning to why we chose to live the way that we did. We know that breaking the Sabbath was really bad. It was a highly policed commandment. It was such an important commandment, like George Carlin says in his 2001 HBO special, that it ranked higher than honoring your mother and your father. Think about that. Breaking the Sabbath was ranked higher than honoring our fathers on Father's Day. We know that from what we read in the Bible that Jesus thought very deeply about tradition. The difference is that he used his experiences, his personal experiences, to practice these traditions in a contemporary sense. One that was influenced by the community that he found himself working and living and eating amongst. We know that Jesus was seen as a threat for several reasons, and in this passage, it was because he was reinterpreting Jewish law. He was redefining boundaries. But I want to take it one step deeper. I think he was being policed because ultimately what he was doing was healing people. This is really what got the attention of the accusers in the first place. We know that Jesus had been taking a caravan trip throughout the stories and the Gospels of healing people. It was just doing it on Sabbath was an excuse for those to accuse. Jesus had been and was shaking up the religious order by being amongst people a community that needed healing because of the impact of those in that higher social order. And the community during this particular passage might have actually needed the method of healing and reimagining that Jesus was bringing. And as we know, healing can shift a community's health. It can shift their accessibility to shelter, to food, and to clothing. 
And just like those falling dominoes of the geologic, atmospheric, and biological systems that influenced everything, so too does the health of a community. So too does our good health. And can you imagine why a healthy community of a lower class might have influenced the Roman order to also see Jesus as a threat? Let's remember, these Gospels were written about heroes who died tragic deaths, so Jesus knew what was coming. He knew that he was going to be executed, and yet he still continued to heal the people in his neighborhoods all the way until that fatal day. Jesus was a person who participated in political resistance from the way that he practiced his faith to those who he did it alongside. And these inner workings or the breakings of the rules that Jesus and the community participated and practiced in together in fear of death, in fear of scarcity, that must have had a profound effect on Jesus. And these stories and inner workings of Jesus and the community together must have a profound effect on us, too. I mentioned a little earlier about a 2001 HBO comedy special where George Carlin dedicated the last 12 minutes of his special to whittling down the Ten Commandments to two, maybe three, if I'm remembering correct. Carlin was a comedian who was known for his intelligent critique of religion and its practitioners. And in this, in this particular special, he stated, you know, 5,000 years ago, religious and political officials believed that people needed to be controlled and that the Ten Commandments was designed as a political document artificially inflated over time to control people as if we were left to our own devices, we could not maintain a happy and satisfactory life. Well, we see that in this gospel as well. We see Jesus's body and life and words being policed, accused, and then ultimately executed. And today's passage is just one of the many examples where he was accused of breaking a ritual or moral law. At least that's how we've come to understand it in the 21st century. But breaking the Sabbath. It was hard for me to focus on this sermon this week because I'm a fan of the Sabbath. I was angry at Jesus for breaking the Sabbath because I was like, man, post-industrial revolution, we need to rest. That's not what this passage is about. A.J. Jacobs talks about Sabbath and the way it's practiced here in America in his book, A Year of Living Biblically. He says that the Puritans took Sabbath seriously. There were no sports, no dancing, no smoking, no shopping, no visiting anyone. But you did have to attend church. You must attend church. But even the Puritans found a way to punish those who went to church. 
You either got there with unseemly haste, or you showed up on too showy of a horse. Today's passage is that same type of thinking, a class of people using laws to govern people, their ideas, and their bodies. We know more about that here in America than any other country right now. We have the world's largest rate of incarceration. We have some of the highest rates of infant mortality. We are one of the largest contributors to the changing climate. And soon, we will have the largest population of people living without shelter. I believe that this is partially because America is a culture of accusing one another, selecting sides and then playing games with people's bodies, their lives, their names, and even their culture. We are a police nation and always have been. I know it's really easy, particularly today in a modern context, to critique or criticize people in power, especially when we don't agree with their methodology. We live in a world of cancel culture. Pastor Tony has spent some time in sermons talking about that over the last couple weeks. But it is actually much harder to propose solutions and alternate ways of leading groups of people. That doesn't mean we can't try. I don't even think we're trying. So I encourage us to try anything different than what we are trying to do now. I want us to reimagine our connection to the tectonic plates beneath our feet. Realize our connection to the food that we put in our bodies and to the people that end up healing us collectively. And I hope and that we reimagine a faith that helps us in that process to get us through. I want us to heal, and this can only happen if we start to imagine things differently, just like Jesus's ministry. So when I asked you earlier to think about one of two different perspectives in this passage, either the one of the accused or the one of the accuser, depending on your experience, if you chose the accused, how do you heal? And how can I help you? If you chose the path of the accuser, how do you heal? And how can we help you? What does healing mean for a community? How do we heal when we can both be the accused and the accuser at the same time? How do we heal without continuing the harm unintentionally by policing each other's bodies, names, culture, political affiliation, religious belief, and the list goes on. Friends, those inner workings of Jesus and the community that he was with 
must have had a profound effect on him. We can see it. And these stories and inner workings of Jesus and his healing properties must have a profound effect on us. Just like the story that I opened up with as the rocks serving as a vivid reminder of just how much our oceans have changed over the billions of years, and it's ultimately changed history, so too is the way we choose to live our lives. COVID-19, the racial and the socioeconomic pandemic are our tectonic plates. We can't forget about these. We can't throw them out as we throw away our masks. We have an opportunity to evolve. And with that evolution, asking the question of what do we imagine and how do we get there and bring others with us. Father Richard Rorse shares that the evolution, change, is integral to life, for we are becoming something that is not yet known to us. And to choose to live in evolution is to let go of the structures that prevent convergence and the deepening of our consciousness, and to assume new structures that are consonant with creativity, inspiration, and development, just like Jesus's ministry. To fight for a utopia where we are healing, in the process of healing, would mean that we have to take a part in its revolutionary call. To denounce the current oppressive structures and pressure to return to a fast-paced society where we can buy things with one click. And maybe we can push back on that order and begin to understand and implement its prophetic call for a new and just society. Gustavo Gutierrez, a liberation theologian, said that utopia is a call for a new social order consciousness with a deeper and truer relationship amongst its people that spills over to create new oceans that can be discovered. If you've heard me preach before, and if you ever hear me preach again, you will hear me ask this question several times. What do you imagine? How do you get there? And how do you bring others with you? Jesus said in that scripture, he prefers mercy over salvation. Let's not get so caught up in the regulations and the rules and the policing of people's bodies that we forget about the big things like compassion, healing, love, and the respect for life. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving. 
Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.